Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's so many talented people, so many brilliant people in the world, and it's really about getting an opportunity to shine. Hello, and welcome to season three of Beautiful Lives, the podcast in which I, Madeline Spencer, invite a guest to reflect on the parts of their life story where beauty rituals or products have played a role and how what they saw in the mirror, or perceive they saw in the mirror, has had an impact. Today, I'm joined by the makeup artist and founder of makeup line Westman Atelier, Gucci Westman. Gucci's had an extraordinary career working initially on films on huge hits like Being John Malkovich, and then pivoting her career to work her magic for fashion shows and magazines. She's created the makeup for countless covers on an incredible roster of women, including Jennifer Aniston, Cameron Diaz, Jessica Alba, Elle McPherson, and pretty much every model you can think of. Gucci's famous for her ability to make skin look beautiful and suffused with life, something I saw her do firsthand on a shoot I once assisted Lisa Oxenham on for Marie Claire. I remember being completely mesmerised. The makeup went on and then seemed to magically transform into the juiciest, most luminous skin as Gucci worked it into the model's face. It's little wonder then that Gucci's focused on skin perfecting formulas in her Westman Atelier range. And I can tell you from using the Vital Skin Foundation Stick that it's a winner. By the way, that mention wasn't sponsored in any way, shape or form. I'm just passing on the recommendation as I think it's great. In this episode, Gucci and I talk about her childhood with parents who lived a markedly different life to those of her peers and track her journey from there through working as an au pair, a chance encounter that would lead her to fame as a film makeup artist and how she stuck to her guns and found inner strength when facing challenges as she first started in magazines. There's also a fantastic Grace Coddington anecdote in there and one about Gucci being dobbed in by John Cusack. Over to Gucci. Hi, so I'm here with Gucci. Hello, Gucci. Hi. Hi. Helen. It's so exciting to be here and I love your podcast. Oh, thank you so much. So you're born in California. Yeah. Your dad was into yoga and your family were, you know, meditators. A little bit eccentric, a little bit inspired by Eastern philosophy. I would say that we've always had Hinduism and Buddhism as kind of our spiritual kind of um, base as a family and... My my dad actually worked with the Maharishi to spread TM. Okay. And how did your dad get into that? Oh, good question. Yeah. He started going to India at a young age. Okay. And, and he wanted to, I guess he met with the Maharishi. And yeah. a friend of his was working with Maharishi named Klaus, mm-hmm. a, a Swedish friend of his. And he kind of recruited my dad. So they were working together. And when you say that was the culture of your whole household, did it bleed into everything? Were you wearing very natural clothes? Were you eating a certain mm. kind of diet? I wasn't wearing specific clothing, yeah. but we always ate vegetarian food that mm. was organic, that was... My parents made everything. They okay. didn't believe in buying a lot of processed foods. And 
they, you know, sometimes I said, can't we just buy the butter? Mm -hmm. And they would (laughs) say, no, we have to make it. They made their own butter? They made for many years. Because we lived in the country and deep in the country. And we had a really lovely farm just up the road. Mm. And they would buy the milk from the farmer. And um, they would make their own butter and their own cheese. Mm. from the milk from that farm Mm -hmm. and we had all of our own vegetables and and fruits and we had massive land so they they would you know freeze everything over the winter and it was very much a holistic upbringing and there was really no sugar Mm -hmm. and you know I rebelled briefly but Mm -hmm. then I went back to knowing that actually consistency and being a little bit more clean or being actually thoughtful and clean in your day-to-day practice is what makes you feel better. Did pop culture make it into your household? We actually didn't even have TV until I was about, um, I think I was maybe, it's pretty tough actually (laughs) growing up without TV. Mm. And to this day, I never turned on the TV intuitively because we didn't grow up with a TV. Right. So if I go to a hotel room, I never turn the TV on. When David and I travel together, he always turns the TV on. But at a point, I think I was 13 when we got our first TV. Mm-hmm. And all the kids at school were talking about a TV show that showed music videos. Mm-hmm. And it, we were allowed then at that point to watch two hours of TV a week. So that not a was not much and that kind of was a little bit tough because I was never allowed to watch the whole program and Mm. I wanted to talk about it at school the next day and so that was a little challenging did you feel quite other than to the people you at school with I mean my name was Gucci (laughs) my parents were always (laughs) practicing meditation and more of a sort of eastern philosophy Mm -hmm. idea at home you know there was a lot of bhajan singing which is kind of like chanting hindu oh, okay. chanting and you know it was a lot of that so that was a little embarrassing i would say mm-hmm. to grow up with that when you just want to fit in well, when you're a kid you do when you're a yeah. kid but now i'm so appreciative of having my parents be more i guess spiritual mm-hmm. you know and and i feel that oftentimes that can be such a void yeah and and it's so whenever i feel really kind of like I'm running on empty and I feel Mm -hmm. anxious and I think there's so much anxiety in the world today I feel that meditation is such a grounding place to to go and it's a very natural uh, you know kind of um I guess platform for me to kind of lean lean to because I I grew up with that it was all of you know so have you practiced every day pretty much since you were younger no I had a moment when I I didn't meditate I don't remember my age exactly, mm. but I did it when I was very young mm-hmm. on my own accord. And my parents, the, the beauty with my parents is they never forced us to be vegetarian. They never forced us to meditate. It was always our own choice. Right. And I think that was really brilliant. And but therefore we kind of wanted to do it yeah. because we saw that it, you know, made everyone feel calmer and better. And, yeah. and then, you know, I stopped meditating for a while and then I just started again mm. on my own and, and my dad could always tell when I was meditating. He said, have you started meditating again? Yeah. And he's like, okay, I can tell. Mm. Tell me about the culture around beauty in your household. Um, I'm assuming then that you didn't have the celebrity 
idols as it were that lots of young people had where you know you're looking through fashion magazines or you're watching videos and thinking I'd like to grow up to look like that so was there someone that you saw or was your mum someone who looked in the mirror and did something to her face before she went out yeah I mean I so I was also not allowed to wear makeup until I was older Mm -hmm. and I then snuck it on because I wasn't allowed and I obviously wanted to wear makeup at Mm -hmm. school so (laughs) okay so would you put it on on your way to school then yeah and I also did my friend's makeup on the bus and it was a long bus ride because we lived in the country yeah so I was kind of the one who was implemented on the bus to do everybody's makeup right and I would say that um I remember my mom being very natural right for most of the time. And then when she did her makeup, I would think, oh, she took my breath away. She looked so beautiful. What was she doing? What kind of look would she do? She just has these really pretty blue eyes. And she would just, you know, put some mascara on, a little eyeliner. I don't mm-hmm. know what she did. I was just yeah. watching. I would remember being so mesmerized, mm-hmm. looking at her and thinking, wow, she is so beautiful. Yeah. And why doesn't she do this more often? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. it's such a powerful tool when you feel... I mean, when I woke up this morning, I didn't sleep well last night. I think mm-hmm. I was a little bit nervous for today. And just, I looked so tired and haggard and then I thought we are so lucky that we have this wonderful tool to lean on Mm -hmm. you know yeah and you know how to use it I mean I I still have my battles you Mm -hmm. know I'm still like oh I wish my eyes weren't so puffy or I wish I didn't have this pigmentation I wish I didn't have rosacea you know we all have our battles Mm -hmm. and even though I am a makeup artist it it helps maybe with the speed of things and it helps that I know what I'm gonna do Mm -hmm. You know, because I'm not necessarily going to play around and try like a red lip or a fuchsia yeah. lip or most most of the time. So. Yeah. So tell me, when you were on this bus doing makeup for people, did it ever occur to you that that could be a career? No. no. Not not at that point, no. I enjoyed it and I used to paint a lot mm-hmm. as a younger girl. And I remember my... A teacher of mine in middle school told my parents that she would be very surprised if I was anything but but something in the arts right because of my painting mm-hmm. and then when we moved to Sweden I actually didn't paint as much anymore I don't remember why but I I was introduced to a barn a horse riding barn mm-hmm. that was close to where we lived And I loved animals. I loved horses. And I had ridden a little bit with some of our friends in California. And at the time, we couldn't afford lessons. Mm -hmm. So I was told that if I helped, you know, with the grooming of the horses and mucking out and things like that, that I could earn lessons. Nice. So I was at the barn every day Mm -hmm. helping out. And so I could earn lessons. Yeah. And that was a lifelong you know, infatuation, and and now we have our own horses. Yeah. Do you have any other pets now? Yeah, we have two miniature donkeys. We have a miniature horse. We have two ponies, and a, I have a horse. Okay. And then we have a Maine Coon cat, which is he's giant. He weighs twenty six pounds. Wow. And he's um, then we have a Bernadoodle. Okay. And a English cream retriever. Wow. Yeah. So many animals. Yeah. Where do you live in New York? We live on the Upper West Side. Okay. But all, obviously all of the bigger animals live in in the country. We have a, uh, a weekend home in okay. Westchester.
So I want to go back to when you started your career. Yeah. So you're living in Sweden and then you moved to Switzerland to be an au pair. Yes. Now, how did you find that experience? What was au pairing like for you? Au pairing was, I mean, I guess it was a good introduction into motherhood. Mm-hmm. I found it really nerve-wracking at times, I'm going to be honest. I, yeah. I, I had to... When I got there, I was looking after two children, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Oh, okay. And, and then they had... The family also had a dog and two cats. And I was responsible for all of those things. And the laundry, the cat litter. I mean, I love responsibility, you know? And I think having... Any type of uh, of adversity when you're a child is so beneficial. Yeah. For later in life, I like it. I like more on my plate. I feel okay. like more responsibility is so healthy, mm-hmm. and I think we underestimate the resilience and the adaptability of children today. Yeah. And their capabilities, and we we assume that they they can't do it. Oh no, they can't do that. You yeah. know. Whereas my parents were. We had so many chores to do, and so so I was already kind of like I knew all about working hard. I would be so disappointed in myself if I didn't have that innately, you know, mm. because now I find it so challenging to find really great people who are willing to work hard and uh, and aren't like looking at their clocks and having this sense of entitlement where they're what's in it for me, you know. I, as a young makeup artist, I never worried about the paycheck. I just wanted the experience under my belt. Mm-hmm. And I never would dream to turn down a job if it wasn't paying. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm so lucky I get that experience. Yeah, it's interesting how much it's changed, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm. So when you when you were working as an au pair, you then had this realization that you wanted to train in makeup. Mm. What what brought you there? What what made that change happen? Well, I decided. I mean, all along, I. I wanted to, I had this idea in my head that I never wanted to waste time. So mm-hmm. the reason I went to Switzerland to be an au pair was, one of the reasons was that the woman, Anouk, or Lieb, who was the mother in the family, she, in her ad in the newspaper, claimed that she, there was horse riding. Mm-hmm. So that was a big draw for me. Mm-hmm. I never got to ride her horse. She always promised me, maybe tomorrow. Oh, no. <laughs> it was quite mean. I know, but when you have a horse, you kind of don't want anyone to you get a bit precious about yeah it. you yeah. do and it's terrible but I was like you know that's the reason I went there and yeah. <laughs> and then I also went because I w- wanted to really perfect my French mm-hmm. I had studied languages in school mm-hmm. and French being my kind of passion what and, languages do you speak now then uh, I speak German French Spanish oh wow Swedish English what? so I thought I would be a translator maybe or mm. I really wanted to be a professional like a you know, I was dreaming of the Olympics as right. a as a jumping, mm-hmm. as a horse rider, and um, so then she then started to bring me to fashion shows, and I became completely infatuated with the world of makeup and the transformation, the romance of mm-hmm. a fashion show, and how it's not necessarily reality, but it sweeps you away. Were you wearing makeup yourself at the time? Not much. Okay. I went through a phase where I wore. A lot. What, when you say a lot, what, what would that have looked like? Blue eyeshadow. Nice. Blue eyeliner, blue mascara. Okay. <laughs> super plucked eyebrows, mm-hmm. super tan, mm-hmm. and pink cheeks, and 
pinkish lips. But actually, it didn't look as bad as it sounds. Okay, because it sounds a lot. It was a lot, but I blended it really well. Right, okay. So it was that kind of classic, <laughs> kind of almost like 80s, like cloud yeah, makeup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I yeah. felt like it was very flattering. I felt really awesome about it. Were you myself. wearing expensive products? Like, where did you get those products from? No, I was wearing, I mean, the one product that I did invest in was the Bien Fait du Matin from, from Lancome. Okay. And I always told that story because when ironically then I worked with them for five years Mm. as a creative director so it was kind of a full circle yeah uh that was the only expensive Mm -hmm. product and the other products were mass right okay I don't don't even remember it was like Isadora yeah mascara you just went in and bought whatever in the color you wanted yeah 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 Yeah, I was I just wanted the one yeah the one one that was a really pretty color and i always got a a deeper shade of the foundation oh did you Mm -hmm. okay because i was like i can't afford a bronzer too so i'll just get ah yeah yeah such a weird how was your skin around well really in your late teens did you struggle with anything at all Mm. no i just got this lovely rosacea later in life ah yeah i had really really you know lucky i had fortunate uh, genes with my skin early on mm. and then and then it transformed a little bit later mm. into something that was a little bit more problematic with rosacea so for any of our um listeners who aren't familiar with all of gucci's work which is extraordinary and you should go and look it up right now gucci's fantastic fantastic at skin skin is something that you make look just gorgeous and juicy and you we were talking about this before we started recording and we were talking about how gucci also does a lot of other things obviously can do an eye obviously does you know gorgeous full makeup but you do see the skin when you see your work it does or rather you don't see the skin which is kind of the point right yeah yeah I mean I always have loved the idea of amplifying the skin as opposed to transforming the skin because I think skin is so beautiful and I love seeing elements of it Mm -hmm. and I'd rather you know layer multiple products and use different you know kind of techniques application techniques Mm -hmm. to maintain the integrity of the skin somehow and just make it feel like wow she has such gorgeous skin like but it doesn't look makeupy or you know like a cosmetic ad for a foundation or something yeah i want it to be more effortless and gosh she looks stunning and you know um and then i'd rather play more with the eyes and the lips and Mm -hmm. and just have the skin be this beautiful canvas yeah so skin is almost reset to like I want to say baby skin and then you have the canvas to do the makeup on but usually when people are a bit obsessed with skin it's because they've had terrible skin themselves and they've started to battle it so do you know what kind of set you on that path of being in skin or was it just that you had a knack for doing it do you know I was thinking about that the other day because because we actually talked about my movie career yes of doing a few movies and I think that developing this character treatment really helped influence my kind of view on skin and my Mm. skin philosophy because it's you learn a lot about texturizing and a lot about authenticity in Mm -hmm. movies and is that because the character needs to look like they're say wearing no makeup yes okay so when you for me when you watch a movie a dead giveaway of when it's not a great wardrobe person mm-hmm. or like the wardrobe isn't super tight I feel like you notice the changes yeah when there's so many changes and this clothing look looks too new mm-hmm. and the makeup looks too 
when you notice these details, I feel that it's there's something that's not gelling. Yeah. And that's kind of, I think, what has really influenced me when I do skin. I want it to feel authentic. Mm-hmm. And if I, I work really well when I have a character in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I try to make it feel authentic. Okay. You know, so if it's like, uh, I'll, you know, we did this Vogue shoot one time called Dangerous Liaison with mm-hmm. Grace Coddington and Annie Leibovitz. And it was with Jared Depardieu and, you know, uh, Giselle and mm-hmm. Daria and all these incredible models. And we wanted them to feel of a certain era, mm-hmm. but have our our touch and our modernization. So the skin was always like beautiful and treated, and but it was kind of like dusty, but in a mm. way that wasn't makeup-y. Nice. You know, so it was yeah. really like... What does that look like if it's today and it's not a literal still from a movie? It's an interesting thing, though, isn't it, to do period makeup but make it modern. I always think that when I watch, say, Gone with the Wind or basically anything made in the 30s or 40s about, you know, the 1800s where it looks like it's made in the 30s but it also is harking back to that. And I think that 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 can be a real sweet spot where new things come in and new ideas come in. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the... The trick is how do we make it feel like we can bring people along into this journey and that's when yeah. you can relate to something is when you're swept away. Yes. As opposed to it feeling like, oh my God, that's totally something from the 60s. Like yeah. if it's an exact replica of mm-hmm. 60s makeup or 70s makeup, yeah. it's very like easy to do yeah. when you're copying something. But then if you want to add your own angle mm-hmm. you yeah. know your own little edge or touch or whatever yeah. it is then you know so that the skin thing became mine yeah so you started working in film and then you did editorial and you you've kind of had two careers that almost not many in fact I cannot think of a single makeup artist who's done both and worked in both really other than you yeah actually I was in living in Hollywood with these two makeup artists and we had a really dumpy government assist apartment and the three of us lived there and their previous apartment had been destroyed in the earthquake Mm -hmm. and they had a really really good rent Mm -hmm. so it was like 300 bucks a month between the three of us so debbie and i shared a room which was terrible we shared like the small bedroom and amanda got her own big bedroom okay which was always the case for some reason we're not sure how she negotiated that each time (laughs) Um, Some people manage to do that. They manage to hoodwink you a bit. Exactly. We just went with it. And it was so funny because nobody ever wanted to buy toilet paper. Nobody Mm -hmm. ever wanted to buy bread. And we always had at least 10 people staying with us. Right. And so at the time, I I went to this really bad makeup school called Joe Blasco. Mm -hmm. And they really give you very little preparation for... How how to what to how to navigate the real world right. as a makeup as a budding makeup artist like what are you meant to do? Were you learning makeup for film or makeup in general? Um, well, I had been to makeup school in Paris, right, which was phenomenal and a great experience. Which I one learned was that? so much. It's called École de Maquillage, mm-hmm. Christian Chauveau, mm-hmm. and that was a really wonderful experience. I, I learned so much, and then I decided I wanted to learn how to do movie makeup mm-hmm. and. So I was advised that this Joe Blasco school in Hollywood is really great. And I went, I was utterly disappointed. It was all video teaching. Oh. So it was him talking in a, on a, you know, recorded 
Oh, okay. And it was like yeah. Technicolor, so old. Okay. And it was so disappointing, and I I just found that oh, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. And they asked me to be a teacher after two weeks. Oh, okay. I as have, you do. As you do. <laughs> so that just showed that the yeah, quality yeah, yeah, of the... Yeah. But, so they gave us very little preparation mm-hmm. for how to enter the world as a makeup artist. And a friend of mine, I had met a friend named Casey Storm, who is a stylist for Spike Jones, mm-hmm. And he introduced me to Spike, mm-hmm. and I had a meeting with him. And it was kind of awkward, and I wasn't really even sure how it went. But then Spike hired me on everything for wow. that day okay. to do all of the commercials and videos and then subsequently being John Malkovich amazing which he had to convince me to do because I said I didn't want to because I had just done Buffalo 66 mm-hmm. and I said movies aren't really for me and he ended up convincing me mm-hmm. and he said come on it's gonna be great and all these things and so I ended up doing it when you did your first film how did it feel going on set did you feel prepared were you nervous having not done it before yeah I was really nervous. I mean, I did a deferred payment movie with the American Film Institute where I did catering, craft service, mm-hmm. continuity, mm-hmm. wardrobe, hair, makeup. I did so many things, and I obviously didn't do a good job at everything. As we watched the movie, it was deferred payment, though. Yeah. But we watched the movie, and in one scene, the actor has his hat on and off and mm-hmm. on and off oh, yeah. and jacket yeah. on and off and the everything's wrong. Yeah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I learned from that watching that and I, I thought, oh, okay, so that's really an important factor in mm-hmm. film. Um, I was nervous, yes, and I was just looking for guidance mm-hmm. from, you know, everybody around. And, and Buffalo 66 was the first big movie and right. I, I had some... Then, you know, preparation for being John Malkovich. Mm -hmm. Because that, you know, John Malkovich was obviously so established. And John Cusack really tested me the first day I worked with him. How? He, I was doing his makeup and he was just being a little bit kind of, um, I don't know. He was just testing my kind of, I guess, uh, experience Mm -hmm. in the industry. And he... um, I did his makeup, and it was actually after he had been in a fight, but mm-hmm. it was multiple scenes later, mm-hmm. and I didn't think or factor in that he should have had a bruise or right. remnants of a something. And then when we got to the set, he said, oh, shouldn't I look like I have a bruise here or something? Mm-hmm. She missed this. And I was like, dude, that is so lame that yeah. you didn't have my, that you just outed. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you look back on those days in Hollywood, mm-hmm. what do you see in your head? Was it quite, is it, is it a blur? Was it quite glamorous? Was it very, just very hard, very hard work? What's your overall no, impression? No, I don't think there's any glamour in I was very much in it to absorb as much as I possibly could, Mm -hmm. to be ahead of the game, to be the best I could be. Mm -hmm. What I found about living in L.A. was that it was very insular focused Mm -hmm. at a point. After five years of living there, I decided that I needed a change. And I wanted to move to New York to try fashion, mm-hmm. to try working in the fashion industry. And I knew I maybe didn't stand a chance, but I had to try it. Yeah. And I thought before I turned 30, I've got to give it a go. What was your first in? You know, I think that it's such a, it's such a funny one because there's so many talented people, so many brilliant people in the world and it's really about getting an opportunity to mm-hmm. shine, you yeah. know, and to to be able to show somebody who is going to give you that mm-hmm. chance. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think it's it's really, it has to do with timing. It has to do with so many different elements. And I was really lucky because I, I all of those kind of things fell into place, yep. you know, and it wasn't for lack of hard work. Right. I mean, I for sure have always been a hard worker but I also I think I have and I always will I have a humbleness Mm -hmm. where I'm I never take anything for granted and I you know I got asked to meet with a bunch of when I moved to New York I got asked to meet with a bunch of editors at Vogue Mm -hmm. and I remember doing my makeup for a really long time getting ready to meet Grace Coddington and oh. I think I was wearing too much makeup and yeah. I got too dressed up yeah. and she was looking at me like mm. you know like <laughs> yeah. oh aren't we fancy though? yeah and I could I was very nervous and I could just tell that maybe it didn't go that well because I had some options mm-hmm. with her before mm-hmm. I went into the meeting and then I was as I was in the cab leaving the meeting they all were released and I was like great I clearly didn't nail that yeah but then I sort of you know I didn't completely give up Mm -hmm. and she then I mean Grace was really my champion did you just home in on that moment when you get your options released and you're nervous and it's scary and you know Mm -hmm. you're new to this arena um what is it in you that kept you going I mean I've always been an extremely self deprecating and hard on myself Mm -hmm. so whereas I knew I kind of like where I made my error Mm -hmm. or at least I felt that I shouldn't have made such an effort and it doesn't matter how I look so much it matters more about what I can deliver yeah and I'm sure that that maybe instilled some doubt in her like when she saw that I put more effort into how I looked right and I thought I have to have faith that it's going to work out and I have to keep persevering and not give up. I've come all the way here. You know, I have to like keep going. And prior to that, I mean, I had had some significant milestones. I, I had done a cover of Vanity Fair with Annie Leibovitz mm-hmm. that I 
I had worked on her Olympic book. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I had done a cover of Harper's Bazaar with Cameron Diaz. Right. And those were, were little things that, you know, I had. I wasn't just, like, completely, like, fresh yeah. off the boat. Yeah. But but then I think a few, like, about two months went, went by, and then I got more options with Grace. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, you know, <laughs> there is a God. And we did two shoots back-to-back. We did one with Bruce Weber, mm-hmm. and it was about the Survivor TV show, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was, like, a shoot in Miami, and I remember I never ever even dreamt of having assistance at that time. So I was doing everything myself and there was like a million people as there are on Bruce Weber shoots. Yeah. And so I was doing everybody and it was like survivor, so it was like very much this kind of like as I was saying, this texturizing makeup. You yeah. Know? So it's like making it feel like they've lived on this island or you know, like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was really intuitive for me. Okay. And Grace and I and Julianne D's worked really well together mm-hmm. like from the get-go it was like a really incredible synergy but of course I didn't know that it was working I was yeah. I thought it was but I wasn't I didn't have the confirmation mm-hmm. and then the second shoot was with Arthur Elgort and it was in the desert I love Arthur. Yeah, yeah me too yeah. such a sweetheart it was in the desert with Stella Tennant and Arthur's two sons mm-hmm. Warren and Ansel and we she was meant to look really weathered and you know there wasn't a real kind of direction for makeup other than grace said you know i want her to look quite weathered Mm. and i was like oh perfect yeah so then i did my thing and at the end of the shoot i really didn't think she liked me and i was like it's kind of like we were all traveling to the airport together in a van yeah and we were flying from different terminals and um I got out of the van and I was, you know, going to just say my goodbyes. And then Grace got out of the van and said, you know, I, I haven't seen talent like this since I discovered Pat McGrath. And I, I was dying. I was like, wait, what is happening? Yeah. Because I honestly didn't even think she liked, mm-hmm. she never said anything. And I, I was like, she didn't say she didn't like it, but mm-hmm. I didn't know if she was supposed to say she liked it or not. And, yeah. And, um... So that was a, quite a moment mm. because she was profusely going on about how she liked what I was doing and how fast I was and and how it was different. And What do you do in moments of enormous career triumph? Are you someone who goes off and phones someone and squeals down the phone or do you have a quiet moment or do you go and like drink champagne? I squealed inside myself. Okay. But I never... I'm humble. Okay. I always maintain that it's not going to last forever and right. I have to be humble and I have to, you know, keep my keep my chin down and just power on. But I was very ecstatic. And then I flew back to New York. The weekend went by. Mm-hmm. And then I had about 10 Vogue options with all of the editors because mm-hmm. Grace had flown back and then told everybody in the office yeah. how she found this new makeup artist. Yeah. I've got two questions for you about that time. The first one is, obviously, when you're working more, you everything comes quite hectic. I know, you know, you're different time zones. You're doing different things. How did you keep yourself centered and and healthy? That's a good question. It's challenging, I'm not going to lie. Mm. You have to, I think, really be so disciplined with your what you want for yourself right. when you're traveling to be able to incorporate that little bit of time for yourself mm-hmm. that's going to make you feel better, that's obviously going to be more challenging to, to force yourself to 
go to the gym. Yeah. Like, were you a gym plane. person then? Like, what is it that you, you did? You know, at that time, I was so... I was really working a lot. Mm-hmm. So I was always on a plane. Mm-hmm. I was always having room service. Mm-hmm. I was not in control of my physical yep. as much as I would have liked to have been. Right. And I that's something that I learned, you know, from, I think, just getting older, having children, mm-hmm. understanding my body more, yeah. understanding that things that don't work for me, and really being able to take ownership of being consistent in my mm-hmm. life because ultimately that does make you feel yeah. like you have more leeway and, and more time to sort of play. And it's very much 80-20, so now... For the most part, when I'm home, I'm mm-hmm. very clean and consistent, mm-hmm. and I exercise as much as I can. Well, how do you exercise? What do you do? I run and I do hot yoga. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if there's no other option, I'll do anything to, to move, but okay. if there's no gym, or I'll go for a run. Fine. So and, you'd like uh, to just get your blood pumping? Yeah, yeah. and I, I need it for my mental yeah. state of mind. I mean, here... I haven't done anything for two days, and I know I would have felt mm. better. Yesterday, I tried to go, but the baby woke up. Okay. And the baby here? Yeah, she's she's in, oh. she's off seeing okay. London. She keeps she's saying she London. wants to go to London oh. to see the Queen. And how we're old like, is she? You're in London. How old is she? <laughs> two. Oh, bless. Yeah. Okay. And how old are your other kids? Uh, nine and 12. Quite so a the 12 year old is in New Zealand on a school trip. Right, okay. And uh, the nine year old's here. Wow. So, okay. two girls so quite a lot to handle then. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, if you just let yourself get carried away, mm-hmm. it's very hard because you go to bed and you feel like, oh, I ate too much, mm-hmm. I drank too much, mm-hmm. and I feel like crap. And, you know, you have to really be a bit disciplined, yeah. I think. And there, there was something actually my yoga teacher said that I thought was so cool. And that um, when. They, they, the word discipline mm-hmm. it has often like a negative connotation, but actually it comes from disciple, which okay. is like taking the opportunity to learn. Mm-hmm. And and I think discipline is really like a powerful tool. Like yeah. you can use it to your benefit, and also be disciplined in yourself and not be too hard on yourself when you're not able to do. I mean, I'm not able to exercise here, and I'm having mm-hmm. like a lot of bread and. Yes, I'll have scones maybe later on, and Mm. I'm not going to beat myself up. I just want to ask you one more thing about that editorial time, which is when you then, you started obviously working a lot more, you're making more money. What did your money go on? Were you quite spending? I bought a lot of clothes. Okay. And I remember at one point, my parents were talking with this guy, Harold, who used to help me with my money. (laughs) <laughs> and and my mom said, Harold tells me how much money you spend on clothing. And I was like, why is he telling you that? And she said, what are you doing? That's yeah. ridiculous. And I realized then that I was kind of, I was a little bit lonely because yep. I was working so much. And although I felt very full with my friendships that I developed, you know, mm. in my working environment, I still didn't have a partner mm. to come home to. And I still felt that I was trying to fill this void by mm-hmm. f- buying cute clothes. Yeah. And feeling like a validation of sorts. And I knew that it wasn't me, really. Mm-hmm. I love clothing. I yeah. love clothing and I love 
that it can be a tool to make you feel good and yeah. and confident and all those things. But just, I was a bit of a fashion victim right. for okay. a moment. Yeah. I mean, I was like buying all this stuff and it was like ridiculous. Yeah. Did you I, hang on to it? No, I mean some of the things, but then I sold and I gave away yeah, yeah. and I just felt like so, so yeah. much stuff. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get bogged down by stuff in your life, Yeah, and I yeah. just was like, ugh, I felt kind of like... But I felt, again, that I didn't have ownership of my mm-hmm. own time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was so grateful for all of the experiences and for all of the travel and all of the editorial, mm-hmm. you know, exposure that I had. And But at the end of the day... The money was never the most important thing to me. The yeah. most important thing to me was quality work. I mm-hmm. loved creating these editorial images mm-hmm. that that I felt were very powerful and meaningful. But I was never that concerned with the money. I mean, I remember my agent was so thrilled when Lancome called. Yeah. And I was excited, mm-hmm. but I, I wasn't, like, dying because yeah. I thought... What does that mean for other jobs? Like, mm-hmm. if I get asked to do a Vogue cover, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, we can try to put something in the contract. But then we were able to factor those things into mm-hmm. the contract, so I felt good about them. Yeah. And I had the most incredible experience, but it was just to try to explain that the financial aspect wasn't the, in the foreground for me at that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, then later in life, there's different chapters, mm-hmm. but at that point, I felt like I just wanted to be creating yeah. images and I and not be taken away from those things yeah I loved it so much yeah um around this time what did you what were you putting on your own face um I mean I have never really worn a lot of makeup mm-hmm. after that time when I wore way too much your brief period yeah. yeah but I always liked skin on myself and I mm-hmm. since I used I learned to do makeup with Makeup Forever, mm-hmm. and I, I used these sticks. Are they the pan sticks? Yeah, yeah, and I had a pan stick in, in a shade that they actually made so many of them for me mm-hmm. because um, I used them to make people tan and to make myself tan, mm-hmm. just a little bit of glow, you know? Mm-hmm. I just really liked um, just it looked like my own skin Yeah, still, and it had the <laughs> luminosity, and I just liked... That no one would know that I had makeup on. Yeah. And I I just kind of, that was it, basically. I didn't even use yeah. mascara for for so long. Yeah. So then, moving forward then, so you you did brand work, and then wh- where did the idea to start making your own products come from? I've always been very intrigued by product development. I worked very closely with the labs and the chemists in in Paris outside of Paris with Lancome Mm -hmm. I mean my contract was based out of Paris so I was there every two weeks and and we had dinners together it was like very much um an immersion Mm. you know so I felt like I was super grateful for that time and and then when I worked with Revlon I wanted to do a clean line for them Mm -hmm. but it was obviously before it's time and we were very close we were actually going to do launch it with Barney's which Mm -hmm. is funny Um, and then they pulled the plug and decided it was not something that they wanted to invest money in and I've always wanted to do my own line Mm -hmm. but I didn't exactly have the full ideology Mm -hmm. in place and I, I thought oh I'll do an organic line and then 
I quickly decided after, you know, a year of rejecting everything that that wasn't really yeah. relevant for me when it comes to makeup. Because as a makeup artist for so many years, I have, you know, I'm familiar with all these textures and formulations that mm-hmm. that are exciting and incredible sensorial experiences. And I needed to have that level of performance in my own product. Yes. So it needed to be, how can I bridge this gap between natural and luxury mm-hmm. and speak to conscious ingredients and and have this kind of like performance, high performance, mm-hmm. high, you know, skincare benefit story. Yeah. What can I do? How can I replace some of my old makeup brands, mm. makeup products that I love with my own that that brand that I wanted to have feel this way. Yeah. And it's a really challenging process mm-hmm. and no joke we've definitely done it the hardest way possible we have all of our formulations are custom all of our packaging is custom it's challenging yeah. we have also a green chemist who advises for us okay. and she vets all of our ingredient listings and you know the resources are limited you know today and and the way we will it will be easier is if mm-hmm. the bigger brands invest more money yeah. you know because at the moment, I'm just like really trying to push our chemists to to develop the purest, most beautiful products yeah. with the highest amount of natural ingredients, and I use synthetic ingredients where I need to. So it's like and coming back to the eighty twenty thing again. Yeah, yeah. Because I can't compromise on the performance. The performance no. has to be in the forefront. Mm-hmm. As a makeup artist, I you know sometimes I try products that are organic and then I think oh this is really nice and then I go outside and then I go to the bathroom an hour later and I'm like oh my gosh I have no color in my face it's yeah. all gone yeah I've also you know been in so many different situations where I've done fashion shows I've been working in extreme heat and mm-hmm. extreme cold oh, and yeah. all of these different types of environments mm-hmm. and I need these products to work regardless of where you are yeah and I need them to earn your trust. I wanted them to be easy and intuitive. And because I'm known for this kind of like skin care, mm-hmm. skin amplified, you know, yeah. skin. Gorgeous skin. Yeah, yeah. Like Jen- Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. I thought this is makes perfect sense for me to start with that as mm-hmm. an entry point into the world. And even though I, I guess foundation is the hardest category. Yes. And there's such a loyal customer to their own brands you know I thought I want to create this stick that has active ingredients Mm -hmm. that focus on issues that such as rosacea Mm -hmm. you know inflammation Mm -hmm. redness protect you against pollution lock in moisture Mm -hmm. I want these products to really do more than just color so it's almost the ideal range for someone say who is a conscious consumer lives in a city and wants to look good basically yeah I think it's you know when people ask me what is the demographic? What's the age group? Mm. I always say it's not really an age group. It's a mindset. Yeah. It's like if you're conscious about how you eat, your mm. physical, your mental health, all of those things should obviously, this is a natural step for you to care about what you put on your face. Yeah. So that's my person mm. who is wondering what is in this. I'm transparent about all of these challenges I want to be as clean and as efficacious as I possibly can. And yep. the resources are challenging. And mm-hmm. I'm really trying to be as nimble as I possibly can. But it's 
it's limited. Yeah, nimble is a nice word. Um, yeah. Can I ask you what you've put on your face today? All of it. Have you? Okay, well, which colors? It's considered like a complexion system, so yeah. I, I really, to my benefit, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not trying to hawk products, but women mm-hmm. do tend to buy, you know, kind of the line because there's not overwhelming mm-hmm. choices, but mm-hmm. there are fun options. Yes. You know, I don't, because I feel like too many choices can make you unhappy. Completely. And I always use that buffet reference because whenever there's a buffet, I'm like, ah, yeah. and it makes me a little bit sad. And then I end up taking the most boring option because I don't, I feel like it's going to make me really full and yeah, really yeah. gross. And yeah. so I really wanted it to be edited and curated. So mm-hmm. I started off with my, I always use two shades of foundation because mm-hmm. I use one as more of a concealer and one is more the perimeter and I kind of patched them together so I did like the vital skin two and three okay and I used my foundation brush today because I wanted a little bit of a more refined application mm-hmm. final question yes when you are aside from meditating because I know you do that yeah. but when you're stressed and you're tired and it's the end of a long day of appointments what is it you do to calm down and to get a good night's Chill sleep the fuck out <laughs> what does that look like uh I like to have a hot bath mm-hmm I like to have a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. In the bath. Mm. Nice. Quite yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't yesterday because I didn't want to like have not a good sleep, but mm-hmm. then I can sleep anyways. Yeah, so yeah. So I should have. Yeah, and in that bath, wow. I know, wow, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's nothing like owning your moment yeah. and just like feeling delighted with what you've achieved mm-hmm. that day and just being nice to yourself and being like, I think that was okay, you know, yeah. and, and feeling good about that. I, yeah. I saw this movie recently called um, Free Solo. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? No. Oh, it's brilliant. It's so great. It's about rock climbing. Oh. And Free Solo is when you don't have the bands. Okay. So it's called Free Solo. It's a style. It sounds completely terrifying. Yeah. And the guy is so charming who it's about. Mm-hmm. And when he actually is able to climb to the top of his mountain that he's been trying to do for years mm-hmm. he gets up and he's like i'm just delighted i, I remember mm-hmm. it's so cute how he says it Sounds but it great. yeah but it took years and you know hours and yeah. say that was his passion in life and then he he did it and that was what he said he was so delighted oh that's so great and it was so cute because yeah. he felt like how authentic and how heartfelt yeah 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 so yeah, so enjoy, take a moment to enjoy your own life, really. I think it's, yeah. like, if you can... I feel like um, reading a great book, if you're able to get into that mm-hmm. and just enjoy the moment, I yeah. think everyone faces the challenge of being present today. Mm-hmm. And yeah. how do we do that? How does that look? Mm-hmm. And if you're able to do that in conversation, in time moments for yourself, that's the best. Yeah. Like, if you can find some contentment in the moment, even though it might be challenging, like if you're tired or if you're sad or Mm -hmm. mad, or like if you can find a little bit of softness in that moment, it's so cool. Yeah. Well, that's a wonderful note to end on. Thank you so much, Gucci. Thank Thank you so much for having me. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 